together, mission. Put your hands together, mission. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Well, today we have just a wonderful, wonderful service, as you can already tell. I want to welcome those who are here for the very first time, and you're new to Mission Ebenezer Family Church. We want to welcome you to our home and to our people. For those who are here for the first time since the closing of our sanctuary doors, March 19th of 2020, it's been a full year. I want to welcome you back to God's house. Doesn't it feel good to be in the house of the Lord? I pray that our weekly, our daily scriptures this past week encouraged you and blessed you. I pray that the, the note that we sent to you all lifted you up. But if you have your Bibles, please turn with me now to the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians. As we continue our trek through the armor of God. Somebody say the armor of God. The armor of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So as you know, Pastor Kobe and I love to make sure that the students of God are sharp and they're reviewing everything that we're learning so that we're not for just forgetting it and leaving it behind, but that we carry it with us even as we go forward. So the first aspect of the armor of God that we talked about, does anybody remember what it was? What was it? The girdle of truth, the belt of truth. The second one, anybody remember? The breastplate of righteousness. How about the third? Sandals of peace that lead us and direct us into doing the work of God. Hallelujah. What was number four? No. The shield of faith. And the fifth is today, which is the helmet of salvation. Are you all? You're all ahead of the game. But the last one is the sword of the spirit. And that's for next week. We also saw, the last time I spoke here in the English service, we saw that in one of the Old Testament books, one of the prophets spoke about the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation from which Paul borrowed and utilized to build up the full armor of God, to build onto it. Does anybody remember what book in the Old Testament? Isaiah. Anybody remember what chapter? 59. Anybody remember what verse? 17. Hallelujah. And Isaiah says, he put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation upon his head. And of course, he was talking about God. And who is the righteousness of God, you guys? Jesus. Jesus is the righteousness of God. Jesus is our helmet. Jesus is our breastplate. Jesus is our shield. Jesus is our shoes. Jesus is our sore. Jesus is our everything. Can I hear an amen? Yes, yes, yes. So praise God, you, you did not too bad, not too bad. But it's important that we continue to review and bring with us the learning, which is the knowledge of the Word of God, which is the rhema. Everybody say rhema. 
Rhema is the word of God that is alive. And it's the word of God, the rhema word of God, that has the power to transform a life. That has the power to transform somebody and bring them into the knowledge of salvation. And we thank God for that. Hallelujah. So we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to be reminded of the scripture for today. Verse 10, it says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And we're going to see that Paul uses this language, take your stand, very often in chapter 6. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Can I hear an amen? Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place that protects our heart, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Verse 16, in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. Verse 17, which is our operative verse for today, which is our key verse for today. It says, take, somebody say take, the helmet of salvation. Let's try that again. Everybody say, take, take. The, helmet the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And finally, verse 18, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for your people. We thank you for your work. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. And now, Lord, we ask that you would open up our minds, that you'd open up our hearts, and that you'd open our spiritual eyes to see beautiful things in your word today. Father, help us to be an obedient people. Help us, Father God, to respond to your work, Father God in ways that would please you and honor you and glorify you. Now, Father God, bring about transformation in our lives by the renewing of our mind. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus and the people of God said. And the people of God said. And the people of God said. Come on, people, put your hands together this morning. Come on, help me, church. Come on, church, help me, church. Come on, put your hands together. Hallelujah. In 10th grade, I walked onto the, the campus of Carson High School for the very first time because we didn't have 9th grade back then. We started in 10th grade. How many of you remember back in those days? I remember walking onto the, the girls' softball field on the far side of campus, and I was starting to stretch. And they came, and they, they, they called off six individuals that were on the freshman soft, uh, excuse me, the, the sophomore football field. 
And my name was one of them. And I said, okay, yeah, what do you need? They said, go on to the other field. I said, for what? And they said, just go on to the other field. And I went on to the other field, and the varsity team was practicing on the big field. And if you guys remember what Carson High School football field used to look like back in the 90s, guess what? It wasn't that beautiful turf that they have out there today. It was like a dust bowl. I mean, the middle of the, uh, the, middle of the field was like a, a, a bald head. It was like no grass at all. It's kind of like where I'm headed over here. No, let, me, let me not speak that into existence. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I'll hold on to this hair as long as I can. And I remember they said, go jump in line. I jumped in line and I was looking up at all these giants, big, huge Samoan dudes, big, big, huge African-American players, man. And I'm just like, yeah, these are the boys that I was just watching on the field last year when I was the, the ball boy running around twice my size, weighing three times as me, some of the old linemen. Y'all know what I'm talking about, are, are the Samoan brothers at the old line. Y'all know, y'all know what I'm talking about. And I walked up there onto the field, and I was like, man, these are some giants. And I was like, man, I, and, you know, I was thinking to myself, I had no business being out here. So I was like, okay, what do you want, coach? And they said, jump in there with the wide receivers. And I'm like, what? And sure enough, I guess I was able to do something okay. They called me to be on the varsity football team. And I remember when they called me into the equipment room to get fitted for my helmet, my shoulder pads, my leg pants and my thigh pads and the whole nine. I remember they were giving all the, the number one players the first pick at what they were getting. Man, they had the best helmets, the best face masks. They had the best shoulder pads. And, of course, I was just a youngster. They just pulled up from the, from the JV squad. I'm just waiting over there at the end of the line. You know, I didn't even know anybody. I just like, man, these guys, I'm just chilling, watching, and sure enough, they were like, oh, what's your name? I was just like, Josh. What's your last name? Canales. They're like, all right, um, you're number like 98. <laughs> I was like, 98. They went and got a helmet. And they pulled this helmet that looked like it was from the 1960s. It had a big, huge bar that went down the middle of the helmet. And then, and then, and then two, two bars went across the front like this. And I was like, no way they're going to give me that helmet. He, grabbed, he gave me the helmet, and I put that thing on, man. And I was like, I thought they're supposed to give me a helmet to protect my brain. And instead, they were giving me a, a concussion waiting to happen. And that thing didn't even fit me. It was like an extra large. My head looked like a tiny little peanut in that thing. I was like, this ain't going to work. I just gave it back. And they went, I was like, what size are you? And I was like, I don't know. Probably the smallest one you got up in there. I got a peanut. Sure enough, he found a medium. And it still had a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, you know, back in those days, whenever you had a face mask that, that was undesirable, for you football players out there, y'all know what I'm talking about, we, all, we called them a booty cage. Because it was just booty, it was like, that was terrible. They're like, man, I don't want, don't give me that booty cage. Koba, you remember the booty cage? They gave me a booty cage size medium, and I was like, oh man, I went home. But it was a nice Rydell fit, and I knew that thing was going to protect my, my head from concussions. Thank God they, they hit differently nowadays in football. They teach kids not to use their head. But back in the day, we all used our heads. We used this right. The, this, this, the hardest part of our head right here is probably why, you know, I lost some sense. But anyway, I remember that, and I remember putting that 
first big, huge helmet on my head that didn't fit and, and looked goofy. And, but today we're talking about the helmet of salvation and the significance of this piece of armor, this piece of protection that really is meant to protect the most important part of our bodies. The last time I checked, there has never been anybody that has received a brain transplant, a head transplant, except that one man in Spain. No, I'm just kidding. But we have heard of people who have had heart transplants and kidney transplants. My pop, pop's got a kidney transplant, praise the Lord. They didn't transplant anything. They just added a third one. So pop's got three kidneys carrying on. Like, what's up? Call me. Praise God. I mean, there's all kinds of transplants, but nobody's ever really had a brain transplant. But the, the only one that could truly do a brain transplant is Jesus. The Word of God can transform our minds. We're going to get to that in a, in a, little, in a little bit. But today we're talking about the importance of wearing a helmet for safety. Men on the construction ground have to wear a hard hat because some of them are hard heads. Athletes have to wear helmets. Guys that race bikes on the Tour de France have to wear helmets. Race car drivers have to wear helmets. Baseball players have to wear helmets, and I know the significance of that. I've been around the sun a few times, and I know firsthand what can take place when somebody is not wearing a helmet and they get hit in the head. I know the importance of protecting the brain. Somebody say the brain. I know the significance of, of protecting this muscle, this wonderful creation that God gave us and placed in our heads. It's very important. And today we are talking about the helmet of salvation, which I'd like to say is the last piece of armor or protection in the armor of God sequence or series. Because the sword is not part of armor. The sword is what? A weapon. But all other five, because there are six elements in Ephesians 6, are pieces of armor or protection. But the sword, which is the last one, is a weapon. And we're going to speak about that next week. So today, I'd like to begin with our... Point number one, our first point is this. The brain is to the body as the mind is to the soul. Let's all repeat that. Say, the brain is to the body as the mind is to the soul. The hardware and the software put together. It's like the computer and the software that interfaces with the computer tell the computer what to do and manages everything. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all techies out there, am I making any sense? There's an interface. And so as, as a helmet protects the brain, the actual physical element of our body, the brain is what encompasses the mind. Because the mind, after all, is how the brain functions and works and gives us our thoughts. The mind is has to do with our thinking. Everybody say psuche. Psuche, which is, which, which is where we get the word psychology. From the Greek word psuche, the soul. So the soul and the mind are one and the same. 
In Hebrew, the word for heart is lave. Everybody say lave, which I like to say that's where we get the word love. So the Hebrew word for heart is lave, but also the Hebrew word for mind is lave. Because really, our heart does not really have any psychological function or emotions really either. It has a function for our body, but this is where the center of our, our being is our soul or our heart, and we like to refer to it as such. Am I making any sense here today? So the brain is to the body as the mind is to the soul. And the brain tells the body how to function. And without the brain, the body cannot function at all. As a matter of fact, when people are in ICU, when people are sick, when people are, are deathly ill, guess what? The brain sometimes is not even working, and we have superficial medicine that helps people to stay alive. But if that brain does not recover, then the person does not have hope to live. In the same way, the mind is the most important thing of our faith. Because the mind, our brain, is where everything comes into our eyes, comes into our ears, and governs. The mind governs the soul. And without it, the soul does not know how to function. Without the brain, without the mind, we don't know how to process the knowledge, even the Word of God. Hallelujah. An example that I found in the New Testament comes out of Luke chapter 1, verse 77, where John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, was singing a song. He was singing a new song about the birth of his son, John the Baptist, that he would be the forerunner of Jesus Christ and that he would begin to preach the message of repentance for salvation. And it says in Luke 1, 77, to, that John the Baptist was to give his people the knowledge of salvation. Somebody say knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. So in other words, the helmet of salvation is the protective wear that one needs in order that we protect the thoughts and the mind and bring them into obedience or into subjection and ultimately receiving salvation by the knowledge of Jesus Christ. The knowledge of His saving work. The knowledge of His saving grace. And so it's by faith that we receive salvation. Amen? But how do we come to salvation? How do we come to faith if it isn't processing with our mind the truths of the gospel and the Holy Spirit getting a hold of my life and your life and transforming a life and saving a soul. Can I hear an amen? Hallelujah. Now, if I'd like to make this connection now between the helmet and salvation. Paul, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, I hope you're following along, taking notes. I hope you're making mental notes. Maybe some of you have a, a photographic memory, and that's cool too, but watch this. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul addresses the saints in Ephesus. He's addressing the saints in Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, the proscript of who Paul is talking to and why he is talking. In other words, he's talking to the church. Somebody say the church. 
So Paul's talking to the saved. And so whenever you call somebody a saint, it means that they are holy. And you can't call somebody holy unless they have already received Jesus. Because we know by the definition of holy, that holy means that one is belonged to God. If we're putting the two together, if we're learning scripture and processing scripture, then what we're seeing is this. We are seeing that the helmet of salvation is not for those who are already received Jesus Christ and who are already saved. It's not so that you're putting on the helmet so that you can receive your salvation and receive your eternal life and be born again. Paul has already established the fact that he is speaking to those who have already been saved by receiving the gospel message of Jesus Christ. So what's he talking about? He's talking about the saints continuing to work out their salvation with Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you following me, church? In other words, verse 17 says, those same saints who have received salvation must take up. Somebody say, take up. Can I talk about that for a second? Take up. I'm going to read it in Greek. It says, Kai tain perikephalion tu soterion dexaste. That don't mean nothing to most of us. But to me, what it means is this. The word dexaste is where we get the word dexterity. Y'all know what dexterity means? It means you're good with your hands. You're good with your fingers. You have good dexterity. So when it, when it talks about... The helmet of salvation, perikephalion. Kephalion is where we get the word cephalos or head. And peri just means about or, or upon or around. Peri, somebody say peri. So the thing that, is, that you place around your head, the perikephalion, okay, to soterion. Soterion is the Greek word for salvation. For salvation. So the helmet of salvation is one that you're supposed to take up. Somebody say take up. So when you take up, you take it with your hands. Amen? You, you grab hold of it with your hands. So in other words, you grab the helmet of salvation and then you place it upon your head. So in other words, what Paul is saying here is that we must be intentional as saints, as one who have been, ones who have been saved by Jesus, by faith, and have received his grace. We have to continue to be intentional to take up the helmet of salvation and to continue to work out our salvation with Jesus Christ every day. you got to take it up. Somebody say, take it up. Somebody say, put it on. So people, we got to take it up and put it on every day. You're saved. If you are saved, praise God. If you receive your salvation, your eternal life, claim it boldly. That's the difference between a believer, a Christian, and a Jehovah's Witness. If you ask somebody who's a Jehovah's Witness, man, they're strong witnesses, but I don't know what they're witnessing about. You ask them, are you saved? They say, well, I hope so. Their Bible tells them that only 144,000 are going to be saved and inherit the earth. 
Well, I don't like those odds. My Bible tells me that anybody that calls upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. And so based on that knowledge, somebody say gnosis. Based on that gnosis, that knowledge that God gave us to think about with our brains, our minds. The mind is a terrible thing to waste. I heard one, somebody say one time. That knowledge that we have brings us into the salvation of Jesus Christ with confidence and trust. So the helmet of salvation that Paul is talking about right here is something that you got to take up, something that you have to grab. Otherwise, guess what? It's just going to sit there. The helmet's just going to sit there. Oh, you got your salvation? Praise God. It's like... The official's gun went off, and then you just chilled. Everybody kept running the race. You just chilling, watching them all run. Like, wow, they're fast. Well, it's time to run. Time to put on the sandals of peace. Time to walk with God. It's time to be intentional about doing something about our faith. Can I hear an amen? You got to be intentional. You got to do something about it. In sixth grade, I had a teacher over here at Carson Elementary. Everybody that went to Carson Elementary probably knows who I'm talking about. His name is Mr. Obran. Mr. Obran was my sixth grade teacher. And I remember one day, it was probably the first week of school. I was sitting there in my, my chair. I raised my hand. He says, yes, Mr. Canales. I said, Mr. Obran, can I go to the bathroom? And he says, I don't know. Can you? And I was, looked at him, I was like, he's like, he was waiting for me to respond with proper English. And then I thought about it, because I'm quick-witted, and I said, may I go to the restroom? And he says, yes, you may. Take the pass. Mr. Obran taught me the importance of the intentionality. He taught me the importance of having the ability to do something but not knowing how to articulate it in ways that actually make sense and contribute to your walk of faith or to the walk of faith of others. Therefore, one who is saved must take up the helmet of salvation. Otherwise, the one who is saved who does not put on the helmet of salvation every day, all day, will have thinking, will have a thought life that is like an unsaved person. There it is. Christians going through life, walking like zombies. If you're a believer and you don't put on the helmet of salvation, then guess what? You're going to continue to live a life like someone who was lost, though you have received your salvation. In other words, our minds truly have not been renewed. And whereas physically, there has not been one person ever to have a brain transplant, spiritually, it is possible to have a mind transplant according to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, which says... Therefore, brethren, 
Do not be conformed to the ways of the world, but be ye, I love the King James Version, transformed by the renewing of your mind. So in other words, every day we have to be renewed. Our minds got to be renewed. That means the, the believer, the one who steps into faith, must grow in the faith. And you can't keep drinking mama's teta milk all your life. You got to get to the point where you can have some bistec. You got to get some steak. You got to get to the point where you can have some, some, some mature nourishment for your body, for your spiritual body, for your soul. You got to get to the point where you aren't relying on other people to feed you, but where you actually learn how to do what? Feed yourself. You ever had a conversation with somebody? Oh, yeah, how's it going? Oh, good. I ain't seen you in church recently. Oh, I went to another church. Oh, yeah, why? I wasn't being fed. What? That means you never grew. You had no intention of growing if you need somebody to feed you all your Christian life. Take, somebody say, take it up. Put on the helmet of salvation, people of God. Put on the helmet of salvation. Be intentional about it. Place it over your heads. For the head of the Christian is that which God wants to direct and govern by our minds. I want to talk about salvation, the definition of salvation. According to Ephesians chapter 2, in the same book, Paul gives us a, a spiritual definition, a biblical definition in verses 8 through 10. It says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Can I hear an amen? Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So he brings the combination there of having received our salvation by faith. Somebody say, by faith. We receive our salvation by faith. We confess what we believe in our mind and in our heart, which is why Isaiah connects the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation together because Paul, as well as the prophet Isaiah, know that the mind and the heart go together. So when the mind and the heart go together, this is what happens. We receive our salvation, and then as Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10 say right here, he says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Somebody say, do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And that's the full maturation of the body of Christ. That's the full, full growth, the full measure of faith that God wants to do in the people of God, according to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. That we, the body of Christ, learn how to equip one another in the body of Christ for the works of ministry, for the works of service. That's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4. So a basic definition of salvation means that we are delivered. Amen? And if we are delivered, that means we are defended. If we are delivered, that means we are free. If we are delivered, if we are free, it means this. It means that we have all that it takes to walk and live a victorious life with Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. And in doing so, 
in doing so, we have a chance to continue to grow in our salvation. Therefore, what Paul is saying in speaking of the helmet of salvation is this. Our salvation is the life with Christ that continues to develop. It's an ongoing process. Our salvation continues to grow because our salvation is essentially the substance of everything that is Christ. So we begin to live in the economy of Christ. We begin to live and walk with power and authority and freedom and liberty that he has given us by the word of God. For the word of God gives us knowledge and knowledge unto salvation. Can I hear an amen? Hallelujah. Therefore, salvation here is not speaking of that day, but also teaching us how we are to approach this world, protecting our hearts from the spiritual attacks of the enemy. Because I, I believe that's where Paul began in Ephesians chapter 6 of talking about spiritual warfare of powers and principalities in the heavenly realms. It reminds us that we are not fighting a battle that is about flesh and blood, but it is against the devil and his schemes and his attacks and his threats against you. He hates you. The devil hates you. And he wants to see you dead. He wants to see you defeated. He wants to see you completely obliterated, eviscerated from the face of the earth. But like my wife reminded me this week, she says, you know, I've just been encouraged by the word of God. Because the best way to be ready is to stay ready. How many of you guys, how, yeah, amen, go ahead, put your hands together. Come on, church. The best way to be ready is to stay ready. And if we're talking about the armor of God, then we're talking about being a soldier for Christ talking about being a part of the Lord's army. How many of you guys like those, those army, those military movies? You know, when they go to boot camp, they're in training and stuff like that. They go to sleep. You see them laid down in their bed, their bunk beds and stuff like that. And then at, at God knows 30, all of a sudden they come marching in like, hey, wake up, you maggots, get up. And they're like, boom, they got to get up. And they have everything. They're dressed and they're ready for battle. You never know when the enemy comes and when the enemy tries to attack. So the, so the, the man of God, the woman of God who has full access to the full armor of God, is called to stay ready at all times. You don't know when you're going to be called upon to go and pray and lay hands on somebody. You don't know when the enemy is in or, or life happens to you and you have to be built up in your spirit to be able to face that attack, that doubt, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And so I may have missed point number two, but I already gave it. Number two is you must be intentional about your salvation, for those of you who are keeping track. And point number three, Christ programs the believer by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going long today, aren't we? It's okay. Today's a special Sunday. Christ programs the believer by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
to help the saved one be victorious and continue to grow based on the Holy Spirit programming that Christ has placed into us by faith. Isn't that cool? Jesus wires us for victory. The Holy Spirit has programmed our lives. And so we have to make sure that we are tapped into that, that we acknowledge it, that we are aware of it, so that we don't become the tail instead of the head. Can I say that again? So that we don't become the tail and not the head, because the Bible says, for you are what? The head and not the tail. You are the head and not the tail. But sometimes we just turn around and say, go ahead, Satan. Take my tail. Hmm. You're the head and not the tail. In other words, we're putting on the armor of God, specifically the helmet, to resist the accusations of the accuser, of the devil. His lies can only be fought off by complete trust in Jesus Christ, our Lord. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, it says, John reminding us of what Jesus came to do. How many of you sometimes need to be reminded of what Jesus has come to do? Amen? amen. Can I hear an amen? amen. Look what it says. Look, look at the reminder of what Jesus has come to do. 1 John 3, 8 says, and John reminds us, says, the one who does what is sinful is of the devil. Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. According to 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. Hey, pay attention real quick. I know we're at, we're at what? What time is it? 1030? I just want to let everybody know. Stick around. We have a special, special prayer that's going to take place at the end of today's service. And it involves Pastor Isaac. It involves Pastor Isaac. So stick around. Resist the temptation to flee. If you want to be a part of this moment, you may have to push some things back. You may have to let somebody know you're going to be a little late. We're going just a little long today, but it'll be worth it. I promise. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Did you catch that? The devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. So the programming that God has placed in us through his son Jesus Christ was to give us everything that we need to defeat the enemy. To destroy the evil one who from eternity has been sinning according to the Bible. According to our beloved John in 1 John chapter 3 verse 8. All we need is the word of God to give us the knowledge that we need, which gives us the power. But the Bible says that the people die because of lack of what? Knowledge. Let's go to Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Chapter 1, verse 16, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power unto what? God for salvation. To all who believe. So the helmet of salvation is ultimately the knowledge 
of the power of God that he has given us to be victorious, to be champions, to be champs. How many of you like winning? Raise your hand if you like winning. I like winning. You want to be on the winning team? You better sign up on Team Jesus. The Bible says that the battle has already been won. The battle belongs to God. The, ba the battle belongs to God. You've already received your salvation, but you have to continue to do your part. You have to continue to fight your fight until they call us back, until they call us back. Sometimes, sometimes the word doesn't read the, reach the front line of the battle, that the battle has already been won, that the opposition, the enemy, has already raised his white flag until they march days out where the battle is still being waged. Well, we need to know and be confident. I love what Pastor Dan said last week. We have to be confident in knowing that the battle has already been won by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And again, Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, it says, therefore do not be conformed by the ways of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's the word of God. And that is discipleship in Jesus Christ. It's time for us to grow. And that's our last point. Point number four. As we go, we grow. Let's all say that together. As we go, we grow. In other words, God wants us to keep working out our salvation as we go. God wants us to get stronger in the things of God. God wants us to grow in the word of God. The reason why we make poor decisions is because we get away from God's word. The reason why we get ourselves in a heap of mess is because we stop listening to the Holy Spirit. Because our prayer life suffers. And because we start to listen to our own thoughts and not the thoughts of God. But the Bible says, let us bring every thought under the subjection of Jesus Christ. Let us bring under, everything under the obedience who is Jesus Christ. Growing in the word of God. Growing in the spirit of God. Growing in our prayer lives. Amen. And I promise, you will get better at using the weapons of warfare that God has given to us, each and every one of us. That includes young people. That includes teenagers. That includes children that learn what the helmet of God is all about.